The message is entitled, Joel and the Day of the Lord. The Day of the Lord is connected with the Day of God's Judgment. And it runs throughout the Old as well as the New Testament. Joel is known as the prophet of the Day of the Lord, as you know. It appears five times in his book. Chapter 1, verse 15, 2, 1, 2, 11, 2, 31, 2, 14. And there's one in verse 18 says that day. We're not going to touch that because it gives about the blessing. But those five days, the day of the Lord, very crucial in these three chapters. Many believe Joel coined the phrase, the day of the Lord, and the first to use it being the earliest of the prophet, as you know, if you've been with us with our commentary from we began. The message of Joel is historically literal for his day and fig- with figurative language and prophetical proclaiming the future day of the Lord. The first chapter of Joel is literal with figurative language, very clear, the locust, the plague, the destruction. How anybody can believe that that figurative language is not a literal plague is beyond me. Look at the context, it's very clear. Chapter 2 of Joel is literal and prophetical with figurative language, having a short-term fulfillment and a long-term fulfillment of the day of the Lord. In the third chapter, Joel is literal and prophetical regarding the great tribulation and the millennial reign with figurative language. But none of that figurative language uh, doesn't mean that it's not literal, that it's not prophetical. And so you have to be careful how people look at the scriptures. They just uh, spiritualize things and give subjective interpretation. And um, we have to be real careful of that. A simple division of the, of the book of Joel is historical. The wrath of God is poured out on his people. In chapter 1, verse 1 to chapter 2, verse 27. And the second one is a prophetical. The Spirit of God is poured out on his people. And you find that in chapter 2, verse 28, down to chapter 3, verse 1 of Joel. Simple division. Now, the day of the Lord... It's not a single event, but rather a period of time, and there are various opinions as to the length of the day. But there are those who believe it comes, uh, it covers only the seven-year period. There are others who believe it covers uh, the seven-year tribulation as well as the second coming. And there are still others who believe it covers the seven-year tribulation and the millennial kingdom. And then there are believers who believe it goes all the way from the tribulation to the new heaven and new earth. Now, every opinion and any opinion for it to be fact, biblical fact, biblical truth, must be verified by the scriptures. You've heard the term, and some of you young guys and ladies, you go to universities, some of them are even call themselves Christians, and they give you the phrase, all truth is God's truth. Lie. All truth is God's truth as verified by God's scripture, the word. Okay, all truth is not God's truth. That's a lie. You must verify it by God's word. And many Christian universities, APU and many others, teach that. Wrong. Now, let me um, give you three things to hang your thoughts on this morning. One look at the scripture regarding the day of the Lord from three perspectives. First, the day of the Lord in the Old and the New Testament. So we want to make sure 
we get a broad view of what it says. Second, the day of the Lord, according to Joel, because he's the first prophet. He's called the prophet of the day of the Lord. And thirdly, the day of the Lord and the events, because we're going to see it's not just a one-time thing, but it includes a lot of things. So let's begin with the day of the Lord in the Old and New Testament. Let's get a broad view at it first. The day of the Lord is known by many other names. Um, it is known as the day of Yahweh. That day, the day, the great day, it appears more than 75 times in the Old Testament alone. That's a heck of a lot of, th- a lot of times. The nature of the day is identified with the wrath of God upon a sinful world, a time of affliction, distress, darkness, indignation, dissolution, punishment, judgment. And this is in both New and Old Testament. Those are direct words from many of those texts. We don't have the time to go through all of them. You find in Isaiah chapter 2, Isaiah 13, Isaiah 63, Ezekiel 30, Zephaniah chapter 1, uh, Malachi 4. Jesus speaks about it in Matthew 24. Paul speaks about it in 2 Thessalonians. Peter speaks about it in 2 Peter 3. Many, many, many. Okay? All of these things, they can be confirmed, those words. Now, the scriptures identify the day of the Lord as the tribulation, great tribulation, and the millennial that will bring about the new heaven, the new earth where righteousness will dwell. As you look at the panoramic view from all the phrases that are used, all those events are identified in the phrase the day of the Lord. Listen, in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10 to 13, Peter says, The day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night and includes the time period extended to the new heaven and the new earth after the millennial. He says, all these, this world, we look for a new heaven, new earth. For this earth will be melt, and these heaven will be melt with fervent heat. That's talking about after even the white throne judgment. Okay? So he brings us to the very end, the new heaven and the new earth is included. Revelation 21, verse 1 and 2 also gives us that. Now, the suddenness of the day is described by the Apostle Paul as coming as the thief in the night, a time of false peace and safety, as you know, which will bring upon a sudden destruction as labor pains with a woman who's pregnant, a very common metaphor and illustration throughout the Old Testament as well as the New. And they shall not escape, but the believer is not to be in darkness, that this day should overtake him as a thief. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 through 4. So there's the distinction between the unbeliever and the believer. Their response and how it affects them. Paul had just finished telling the Thessalonians the day, uh, about the day the Lord was coming for us in the air. The rapture. Clearly distinguishing it from the tribulation period. So, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. We will be caught up, harpazzled, suddenly, violently, the church, the believers, to be with the Lord and our loved ones. The obvious conclusion from comparing the scriptures is as follows. The day of the Lord begins when the rapture of the church takes place. Both happen simultaneously. So if the rapture happened right now, the day of the Lord would begin. Okay? Matthew 25, 24, 36, Jesus said that no man knows the day or the hour. 
Now remember one thing. Matthew 24, 25 is Jewish ground. Okay? The rapture is not there. The Jew goes through the tribulation period. But looking at the phrase that no man knows the day or the hour, it cannot be the second coming that we don't know. It has to be the catching away of the church, even though the rapture is nowhere in there. Because Daniel tells us the very day when the Lord returns to the earth. Listen very carefully. Daniel tells us about the day of the second coming. You can count down 1,290 days from the abomination of desolation. And you can look up to these and Jesus and his church will be coming back. Daniel 12, 11 gives you that number. Jesus confirms that in Matthew 24, 15. The abomination of desolation. So the day of the second coming is known. But you have to be here. Once you see the Antichrist, seize the sacrifice, declare himself God in the temple, you can start cutting down 1,290 days. And Jesus will come back. Okay? But also, you realize that even though some people, you tell them about something, they don't believe it, they're not looking for it. Right? So how does it catch them? By surprise, it's even the night. You can have information, not believe it, and you're shocked. Or you cannot have the information and be shocked. Both ways. Now, the day of the Lord, for the believers, a day of joy, caught up in the air, will be with our loved ones. First Thessalonians uh, 4.17. Great day. The day of the Lord to the unbelievers, a day of gloom. Um, given over to delusion, to believe the lie, with the article there, Second Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. You look at all the deceptions going on in the world today, all the indoctrination. And all the things that people are saying, I mean stupid things, things that are moronic, are politicians and educators as well as pastors. Crazy stuff. That would have never been tolerated 30 years ago. They would have carried on a loony farm. The day of the Lord describes a period of time then. The day of the Lord does not describe so much a one-time event. Though it is certainly true that it's a one-time event, but it also describes a period of time which many events are in it. The day will begin with the seven-year tribulation, as you know. And it runs through the millennial kingdom to the new heaven, the new earth. The rapture of the church is a one-time event, removing the bride of Christ from the earth as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord also describes is described as a thief in the night, a period of time which begins the seven-year tribulation and runs through the great tribulation, fulfilling the 70th week of Daniel that's still left in Daniel 9.27. So the first three and a half years is false peace. The last three and a half years, great tribulation, is a time that has never been or ever will be a horrible time by the words of Jesus. The promise... To the Church of Philadelphia, and I hope you identify yourself with the Church of Philadelphia, is this. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from, listen carefully, the article is there in the Greek, the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who are earth dwellers, dwell on the earth, Revelation 3.10. I'm a heavenly citizen. I'm a foreigner. I'm a pilgrim. This is a tent. This is not my home. I'm just passing through. 
And I'm almost done. (laughs) Getting closer. Now the day of the Lord is also identified with the confederacy of nations that are going to attack Israel. The chief character of the attack is Russia, Ezekiel 38 and 39. If you were with us in our study of Ezekiel a few years ago, we saw that. Some place the battle at the end of the tribulation, others place in the middle of the tribulation, but I believe the scriptures teach that it's at the beginning of the tribulation. So now we have another, another factor added. And that's why I'm being repetitive and all that purposely. So if the rapture happened right now, the day of the Lord begins, right? And the attack on Israel is at the same time. So those three things happen simultaneously. Russia attacks, the rapture takes place, the day of the Lord begins. Is that clear? Real simple. Now, Ezekiel tells us, and why I believe this to be biblically accurate, let me give you a scripture for it. Ezekiel 39.9 says that the weapons that are recovered from that attack are burned by Israel for seven years. So it cannot be one day before the rapture. It cannot be one day after the rapture. It has to be right at the same time. So we must give an answer to every man for the reason lies in it with meekness and fear. This is that what the the scriptures say. I'm to point the scripture in its context to give you the reason for my belief to be accurate. This means that the rapture initiates the day of the Lord as well as the attack of Russia with their confederacy of nations that at this time are all Islamic. Iran, Iraq, Libya, Sudan, and many others. Now, we didn't see all this in the 70s and 80s and 90s, but now the, the, the lens is a little clear since 9-11. Okay? Very, very clear. You have to be blind not to see it. This, in effect, could be the reason for the Antichrist to appear and, in fact, is. He appears on the world scene as this incredible military, political, financial, and religious guru. That the world, if you think the world went crazy over Obama, you wait if you're here for the Antichrist. He's going to make Obama look like a Boy Scout. The whole world. Who can make war against this man? Give me that mark right here, right here. Come on, I'll take it right now. In fact, you even have some commercials where they scan that guy's, you know, forehead. I wonder where they got that. The order of Ezekiel 35 through 39 is important. The curing of the mountains of Edom and the blessing of the mountains of Israel in the new covenant is at the return of Jesus to the earth, Ezekiel 35 and 36. The vision of dry bones has three phases, the birth of the nation of Israel, the regathering, and the breathing of God's Spirit upon them, Ezekiel 37. In 1948, the birth took place. At the middle and end of the Great Tribulation, the breathing, the gathering, 
And at the end, we'll continue. The faces are all there. And so the attack on Israel and rapture has to be at the same time. Ezekiel 38, 39, God will put his hooks in his jaws and draw them. Prime Minister of Israel, speaking from Jerusalem on July 31st, and I'm going to give you illustrations of 206 to show you that this animosity is much worse against Israel than it is right now. He told the leaders of the world during the attack of Hezbollah from Lebanon the following, quote, this is the Prime Minister of Israel. Today I am serving as the voice of six million bombarded Israeli citizens who serve as the voice of six million murdered Jews who were melted down to dust and ashes by savages in Europe. In both cases, those responsible for these evil acts were and are barbarians devoid of all humanity who set themselves one simple goal, to wipe the Jewish race off the face of the earth as Adolf Hitler said, or to wipe the state of Israel off the map, as Muhammad Abinadinejad proclaims. And you, just as you did not take those, those words seriously then, you are ignoring them again now. And that, ladies and gentlemen, leaders of the world, we will, uh, will not ha- it will not happen again, never again will we wait for bombs that never came to be to hit the gas chambers. Never again will we wait for salvation that never arrives. Now we have our own air force. The Jewish people are now capable of standing up to those who seek their destruction. Those people will no longer be able to hide behind women and children. They will no longer be able to evade their responsibility. This man don't mess around. He doesn't draw red lines. He makes red lines. Let me propose to you. I'm not a prophet. But Israel will not allow Iran to have that bomb. I'm shocked they haven't attacked them. The day of the Lord is taught throughout the Old and New Testament as you go through all those scriptures. Secondly, the day of the Lord, according to Joel, is very important. Let's look at these five occasions that we have here. The first statement reveals its nature and source. It is found here in chapter 1, verse 15. Um, It says, Alas for the day... For the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. The nature is destruction. Joel 2.2 confirms this in many other passages. Amos 5.18-20. You look at Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 14-18 through and many others. The source is God Almighty. Mark it well. Isaiah 26.1. Revelation chapter 6. It tells you very, very clearly. And throughout the book of Revelation. The source is God Almighty. The instrument is Satan, but it is God's wrath on an ungodly world. Satan the dragon persecutes the woman Israel, as we've seen many times. Revelation 12, 12 through 17, she flees to the wilderness as he pursues her. Once he sets up the abomination of desolation. The dragon is granted to make war with the saints 
and to overcome them, as well as authority over the world, the saints are those who are saved during the tribulation and great tribulation, not the church, Revelation 13, 7. Do not put the church in the tribulation. The only woman there is one who is pregnant and gives birth to a child. That man-child is Jesus Christ. The woman is Israel. If you put the church in the tribulation, you're accusing God of having a pregnant bride. That's nonsense. The people involved are the Jews in the ungodly world, with good reason. Matthew twenty four twenty one through 22 and Revelation three ten gives us that. Listen, the Jews for rejecting their Messiah and to prepare them for their Messiah. They go through the tribulation. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 37, 39, as he wept over Jerusalem in Luke 19, you shall not see me henceforth till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They rejected him. He rejected them weeping. How many times I wanted to gather you as a hen, gather her chicks under her wings, but you would not. Secondly, the Gentiles for their ungodly deeds and blasphemies. And Paul is clear on this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. As God re returns to take godly judgment and pouring out his wrath on the ungodly. Now the phrase identifies the time of divine intervention to bring judgment to the earth. The day of the Lord is an eschatological term, meaning a term for the end times, the end things. The day of the Lord. Now the second statement is in chapter 2, verse 1, and it reveals here uh, the warning with certainty. In 2, 1 it says, Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. The warning is symbolized by the blowing of the trumpet. If you go back to Numbers chapter 10, you have two silver trumpets, and they blew trumpets for a revelry of battle, for breaking down the camp, for feast days, many different things, okay? This is Israel territory. This is not the church, okay? And so here the warning, the watchman, the watchman who's watching over the city, if there's an invasion of the enemy, they sound the trumpet. This is what he's talking about here. The location, notice, is my holy mountain in verse 1. God has warned the world since Genesis. Read Jude 14 through 15. That he comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon the earth. You know that's the second coming? And Jude spoke in Genesis. <laughs> so you have the second coming from back in Genesis. Of God's judgment coming back. Jude's only one chapter, verse 14 and 15. Jesus proclaimed it in the parable of the wheat and the tares in Matthew 13, 24 through 30. That's judgment, separating the wheat from the tares like the sheep from the goat that we'll see in the judgment of the nations. God never brings judgment or has brought judgment without giving sufficient warning. Do you realize that? The days of Noah, 120 years. How long would you have waited knowing that no one's going to repent except for eight people? I would just snatch the eight people and the heck with the rest. So... Thank God I'm not God. How about uh, Sodom and Gomorrah? How about Nineveh? How about Pharaoh? 
Jesus has been warning the world for 2,000 years through the church. The judgment is coming. People don't believe it. The certainty of the day is marked by two things. Notice in verse 1, the horror of the day is one of a kind, and all inhabitants of the earth should tremble and will tremble. In fact, the commentary in verse 2 says a day of darkness, gloom, day of of clouds, thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains, a people come, great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. One of a kind, Jesus said the same thing. But also notice the day is just a matter of God's timetable. For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. It's coming, it's at hand, it's near. I am 42 years closer to it than I was in 1973 when I first got born again. It's coming. It's certain. It will not be missed. Paul said, as a woman with childbirth, it's inevitable, unavoidable, without escape. Now, we men know nothing about this. All you ladies do. When, that, when those birth pains begin, you know, you've, you've got to get to the hospital. It's coming. No matter. You cannot hold it back. There's been babies born as women are walking out of their door, back seats, uh, you know, front seats and wherever. Baby's coming. He's coming. That's it. This is the day of the Lord. The third statement reveals the severity in chapter 2, verse 11. He says that they, the Lord, gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Notice the Lord leads and commands his heavenly army. The Lord gives voice before his army. They're all angelic beings. Do you realize one angel went out? And killed 185,000 front light Assyrian troops in one night? One angel. And he wasn't even tired. Notice the heavenly camp is very great. Myriads of angels. Didn't Jesus say, Peter, put your sword away. Did you know my father can give me legions of angels? The Lord is strong, who execute his word. In other words, the prophecies will come to pass. His word will be fulfilled. He's not a man shall lie. The day is great and terrible. Who can endure it? Very severe. Jesus said it would be a time of spiritual deception. Paul confirms this. Matthew 24, 4, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 10. Jesus said the love of many would wax cold or grow cold, depending on the translation you have, Matthew 24, 12. You look at what's going on in the emergent church today with Christianity being redefined, the Christian being redefined, the church being redefined. You're having Christians living in such a way just like the world, and they call themselves Christians. They're drinking, they're partying, they're getting loaded, they're living with each other, but we're Christians. Really? You're a pancake half done. You're lukewarm water. You can see what's going to happen. 
The church of Laodicea is being built up right now, the church of the Antichrist, once the true church is removed. Jesus said it would be unbearable tribulation as never before or ever will be in Matthew 24, 21, 22. Never like it. Now, we've had some pretty horrible times in history. We just, have, we just read about them. Some of us don't even read about them. World War I, the Great War, the end of all wars. World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and the rest that are more familiar to us. Horrible times. If you read the trench warfare in World War I, the amount of people that died, the number of people at one time in World War II. Compared to modern warfare, it's nothing. One soldier is too many. But World War I and World War II, man, the number of men that died, incredible. This period of time, worse than that. Anything has ever been on earth. John tells us the time of false peace, famine, pestilence, death, persecution of those who accept Christ. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. Of course, the apocalypse. It's all marked there. John says men will call on the mountains to fall upon them and hide them from the face of God and the wrath of the Lamb. Revelation 6, 16 through 17. That appears the wrath of the Lamb. And they know it. It's not the time of grace. Though people will be saved. Death will flee from there for five months. Revelation 9, 5 through 6 says, Can you imagine taking Smith and Wesson, putting it next to your head, blowing it out, and you can't die for five or six months? I said, I used to. I'm serious. God's on the throne, ladies and gentlemen. Not man. The fourth statement reveals the salvation of the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 31. It says, The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Now, the upsetting of nature is a sign ascribed to the day of the Lord. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Now, you've got this weird stuff going on with blood moons of these Jewish scholars and all that right now. Somebody asked me about it last week. I said, we'll find out next month if he's a false prophet or not. Don't get caught up with all this. Listen, when someone figures out this intellectual, complicated stuff and they have to tell me about the Bible, I know it's not the Bible. Because the Bible is given to normal people, people just like you and I. And you'll be able to understand the things that are understandable and needful, okay? Not a secret code, not this and that. That's newspaper theology. That's, that's, that's sensational Christianity. You're to be occupied until Jesus comes. That's it. Not looking for dates and different things. This is a time of God's wrath and judgment on the ungodly world and the Antichrist. Notice this precedes the second coming. He says, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Verse 31, the last half. Those who oppose and reject Jesus will perish. The commentary is given in verse 32. Notice, Jesus will be gracious to those who look and call to him. Is that amazing? I mean, how patient. Our God is so gracious, so patient, 
so long suffering. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved by grace through faith. Even then, Paul quotes and Peter quotes for the day of Pentecost, the outpouring in the book of Acts. The location and people are confirmed. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Jew and Gentile, Revelation chapter 6, 9 through 11. The Jews in Zion, the remnant, very clear, Revelation 7, 4 through 8. Paul picks it up in Romans eleven twenty five through 28. Jesus will gather the remnant of the Jews. The church is gone. The covenant promise will be uh, remembered by God um, as they turn to him. This goes back all the way to the law in Deuteronomy 4, 30 through 31. Uh, the one he gave to uh, David in 2 Samuel uh, seven sixteen. God is not through with Israel. We've talked about replacement theology that is taught by the majority of the church. It's wrong. God is not through with Israel. Once he removes the church, then he's going to focus on Israel once again. Jesus said he would regather the Jews from all the world. As a sign of the nearness of his coming, he gave the fig tree. Israel, Matthew twenty four thirty two. Learn a parable from the fig tree. When you see fig tree bud, know that summer is not even at the door. We know that when we start seeing the plants starting to sprout up, unless there's some weird weather or something, and sometimes when weird weather gets a little hot, when it's autumn's coming and they start sprouting, then the frost comes in and kills them. <laughs> there's the seasons that God has given, and he uses nature to teach us. The nation of Israel declared its independence, as you know, in 1948, for the third time, May 14th. Prior to World War II, there was less than 50,000 Jews living in Canaan, or the land of Israel. Do not believe, don't ever use Palestine. If you're a Christian, never use Palestine. There's no such thing. There's never been a Palestinian people, never been a Palestinian nation. We've never found a Palestinian flag. We never found any Palestinian documents. It was an invention and recreation, a creation of man from 1955 on by the PLO. You'll never find anything before that. The only one that was called a Palestinian was a Jew that was left in the land as a curse under the title of Philistines that was made by the Roman uh, Empire in 135 A.D. as they salted the land. That's where you get the word. But university students today are too dumb to study so they just believe the indoctrination. Study history. You might be shocked of how much lies are being stated today against Israel. Jews have migrated from Africa, Afghanistan, Russia, everywhere. They'll continue to do so. Now, the fifth statement reveals the setting up of the kingdom in um, chapter 3, verse 14. He says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. This is, um, this is a very critical time. Multitudes will be in the valley of decision to fight against Jesus. Um, Joel here again, chapter 3, verse 9 through 11 and 13. You also get a preview of the second coming in, in Psalm 2. What does Psalm 2 say? Why do the heathen rage? Why do they imagine a vain thing? 
He will have in derision. He will laugh at them. Who? The world as they're gathered together in the valley of Megiddo to fight Jesus to stop him from setting up the kingdom. And the Psalm 2 ends like this. Kiss the son, lest he be angry with you. Because that's an idolatrous practice. Majority of us are ex-Catholics. We know what that is. You kiss your scapular, you kiss your rosary, you kiss your virgin, you kiss your saint, you kiss whatever. It's idolatrous. He says, you want to kiss somebody, you kiss the son. He's the only one you're to be devoted to. So Psalm 2 is a preview of the second coming of Revelation 19. As Jesus comes back on the horse with all his angels behind him and the church and everything else. Wow. Multitudes will be in the valley of decision to be judged by the Lord Jesus for the nations. Chapter 3 of Joel, verse 1 and 2. He will judge the nations regarding their treatment of Israel, the Jew. Look at chapter 3 there of Joel. Look at verse 3. They have cast lots for my people, have given a boy as payment for a harlot, has sold a girl for wine that they may drink. And if you keep on reading, it speaks about the horrible treatment. And this is exactly what takes place in Matthew 25, 31 through 46. It's the judgment of the nation that takes place. After Jesus destroys the armies of the world in the Battle of Armageddon, Matthew 24, 25, he comes back to the earth. In 25, you have the judgment of the nation there in Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Now, often that scripture is used for missionaries that if you gave a cup of cold water, God will reward you. Completely out of context. It's the second coming. It's the judgment of the nation separating them from the sheep, from the goats. Who enters the kingdom? The nations are judged on their treatment of the Jew. It goes back to Genesis 12, 3. Those that bless you, I will bless. Those that curse you, I will curse. We are not in good light before God as America right now. For we have turned our back against Israel. We've opened diplomatic relationship with Cuba. Made a deal for a nuclear bomb with Iran. But our President Obama will not sit and talk with Netanyahu. Wow. It says it all. Israel will occupy the kingdom. Joel is clear, chapter 3, 16 through 18, 20 through 21. We saw it all over in Hosea. The boundaries of the nation will be fulfilled that was given back in Genesis 15, 18. Never has all the land been occupied up until Lebanon. That's Israeli t- territory, according to God. <laughs> Look at the boundaries. The promise of the new covenant is that God will put their, his laws in their minds and in their, right in their hearts as he gathers them from all countries of the world, Jeremiah 31, 33 through 37. Let me um, read you something again from the Saturday, the 21st of October of 206. And again, this is 14 years after now. Um, this is uh, Iranian President um, Mohammed uh, bin Adinejad. 
He warned uh, yesterday that Israel would not survive and that its allies would face the boiling wrath of people if they continue to support the Jewish state. As hundreds of thousands of uh, protesters marched across the Muslim world condemning Zionist atrocities. Um, this regime will be gone, definitely, he says. Adinadad told the demonstrators who were marking Jerusalem Day in Tehran. Quote, you, the Western powers, should know that any government that stands by the Zionist regime from now on will not see any result but the hatred of the people, he added. Stop and think of all that's happened. This is 206, he's saying this. The moving mass of protesters bearing anti-Israeli banners fill through um, clog roads um, to converge on Tehran University from different points in the city to hear Abinadjad speak. In Gaza City, the head of Islamic Jihad called for resistance against Israel to continue in a speech of 2,000 supporters marking the Jerusalem Day protests. Israel, quote, is destined to be eliminated and we will not recognize it at any price, end of quote. Should the Damascus-based Ramadan, Abinalu Shalah, in a telephone message transmitted, uh, to the, the crowds by loudspeakers in Gaza uh, City Stadium. He just says it's destined to be eliminated. This is the sentiment. This is the cry. This is the, the, the proclamation. And yet our nation and leaders are treating it like it's the JV team. Really? Wow. The day of the Lord, according to Joel, gives us a clear perspective, doesn't it? Now, this is what the scriptures teach. If you're a Christian, you have to believe and give heed to the scriptures, not your nationality, not your culture, not your opinions, not your education, but the word of God. Either you're a Christian or you're not. What you agree with will tell you who you are. Thirdly, let's look at the day of the Lord and the events. Let's put it together. We've got the broad view. The day of the Lord is an event that takes place at the time of the rapture then. At the same time, it's simultaneous. The age of grace closes. The, end, the time of God's wrath begins. And the attack of Israel by Russia with their many Confederacy of Nations, Islamic in nature. All these things happen simultaneously at the same time. The day set the stage for the seven-year tribulation and great tribulation. The appearance of the Antichrist on the earth is the opening of the seal in Revelation, introducing false peace. The seventh week of Daniel, Daniel 9.27. The Antichrist conquers through diplomacy, Revelation 6, 1 and 2. He has a white horse. He's riding on it. A bow, no arrows, silver tongue. The Antichrist 
also is called the lawless one, as you know, the son of perdition, and, and only Judas is called the son of perdition. And he will help the Jews to build their temple, but then stop the sacrifice, declare himself God, and demand that everybody worship him, fulfilling Daniel 9.27 and 2 Thessalonians 2, 3-4, that Paul gives us very, very clear. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1-12, through 12, we get information there that is found nowhere else in the Bible about the Antichrist. Very key. When he goes in the temple, declares himself God. Very, very key. The two witnesses of God, Elijah and Enon, will be witnesses with signs and wonders. And they will be killed. They will lay in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days. And the whole world will be partying and, and, and rejoicing and everything else. You say, well, that's horrible. That would never happen. They're peaceful people. Really? You ever see the TV when 9-11 happened? And all those people were being killed? They were dancing in Tehran. I'm sure most of them were dancing here in the United States over it. Don't tell me they're people of peace. I want a piece of you. It's a little different. God will raise up Elijah and Enoch and go right up to, this, to the heavens. Wow. 144,000 Jews will preach the gospel. Revelation 7, 1 through 8. 14, 1 through 5. The woman Israel will be persecuted. She'll flee. Towards the wilderness. Petra, we saw that in Isaiah 16, 1. Revelation 12. The everlasting gospel will be preached. The church has failed. Matthew 24, 14. Revelation 14, 6. It's a prerequisite before Jesus returns. The angel of the Lord does this. Do you realize that less people know about Jesus Christ today than they did 10 years ago in the world? With all our technology and everything? Do you realize there's people for the first time that have never heard about Jesus Christ in the United States? Crazy. That's why the nations of the world that are Christians, they're sending missionaries to the United States. <laughs> the destruction of commercial and religious Babylon is certain by the hand of God, Revelation 17 and 18. The return of Christ with his church to the earth for the battle of Armageddon takes place immediately after the seven years tribulations I pointed out. Joel chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, 11 through 12. Matthew 24, uh, Acts 1, 11 tells us, Revelation 1, 7, every eye will see him. There'll be no mistake. The first thing that takes place after he destroys the armies of the world in the battle of Armageddon is he will set up the judgment of the nations as we pointed out in Matthew 25, 31 to 32. The Lord Jesus will gather the remnant from all four corners of the earth, make a covenant with Israel, pour out his spirit upon them. Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36. Very, very clear. You see, the day covers also the thousand-year reign of Christ with his church on the earth into the new heaven and the new earth. This is clear in the scriptures. Satan is bound for a thousand years in Revelation 20, verse 1 through 3, with a chain. During this thousand years, the world brought back to the pre-Adamic. The animals are not fierce. A little boy will play with a lion and a poisonous serpent. Um, and Jesus will be ruling on the earth. A thousand years will be reigning with him. Those beheaded for their witness of Christ during the tribulation period 
are part of the first resurrection. They reign with Christ. Revelation 20, verse 4 through 6. But there's a distinction between the church and the saints that come to the Lord during the Great Tribulation. Satan is cast in the lake of fire for deceiving the nations, we are told. Revelation 7. Or I'm sorry, Revelation 20, verse 7 through 10. Lake of fire, Gehenna, same place. And, and Satan will be there with the beast and the false prophet that have been there for a thousand years before he's cast there. The new heaven, the new earth is then brought forth as after the white throne judgment, God melts this whole new heaven and earth that has been redone for the new heaven and the new earth. So you have the heaven and earth now. During the, the thousand year reign, he redoes it in terms of like pre-Adamic. And then after the white throne judgment, you have the new heaven and the new earth. So you have all these phrases according to Second Peter three ten through thirteen and Revelation twenty one. So the day of the Lord begins from the rapture to the new heaven and the new earth. That's what the scriptures reveal. So once again, if we're going to teach something, we have to go by what the scriptures say. It takes a little bit of homework, but it's well worth it. So this way you can communicate. So here you have it. Okay, this is what we've done this morning. The rapture, the attack of Israel, the appearance of the Antichrist, all at one time, begins the day of the Lord. First three and a half years, peace and safety, false peace and safety. The middle, abomination, desolation, the sacrifice has ceased. The last three and a half, great tribulation. Israel flies to the wilderness. You have the battle of Armageddon at the end of seven years. You have the thousand year reign. You have the white throne judgment. You have the new heaven and the new earth. Those are all the events in what is called the day of the Lord. September 21st, October 206. Um, Iran's hardline president, it says here yesterday, described Israel's leaders as terrorists and warned Europe that it may get hurt if anger over the Palestinians boils over into the Middle East. You should believe, and I'm quoting, that this regime, Israel, cannot last and has no more benefit to you. End of quote. Mr. Abinadinejad said, addressing European nations, we have advised the Europeans that the Americans are far away, but you are the neighbors of the nations in this region. We inform you that the nations are like an ocean that is welling up, and if a storm begins, the dimensions will not stay limited to Palestine, and you may get hurt. He added, you impose a group of terrorists, I'm sorry, yeah, you impose a group of terrorists on the regime. It is your own interest to distance yourself from these criminals. This is an ultimatum. Nations will take revenge. Whoa. And we sit quiet and do nothing? We say they don't really mean it? The day of the Lord, ladies and gentlemen, will come as a thief to pour out his wrath, to allow evil to run its full course, to restore Israel, 
to redeem those who repent, to set up the kingdom, to judge the world, to bring in the new heaven and the new earth. The day of the Lord includes all these events. So this is what the scriptures teach regarding the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is taught throughout the Old and the New Testament. The day of the Lord, according to Joel, gives us clear perspective. And the day of the Lord and its events include many, many events and things. They're now for the church. God has not appointed us to wrath, but to salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 9, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. Pray and watch that you be worthy to escape all these things that will come upon the world. Luke 21, 36. I'm looking for Jesus Christ, not Antichrist. Lord, thank you for your grace and love, your goodness. Deal with our hearts. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, Lord. And we pray you continue to teach us. And that you strengthen us during these terrible times that we live in. But yet, Lord, you have been faithful in the past generations, and so you will be to us. As you're praying, if, um, if you're here, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then God has brought you here to be saved, to repent of your sins. You don't have to be around for this horrible time. Now, can things get bad before we're out of here? Absolutely. But it's not tribulation or great tribulation. That's just the tribulation of the world against us because we're Christians. But if you see yourself as a sinner before God, that's the grace of God. If you see that you're an enemy of God and you recognize your sin and rebellion against God, you can call upon Him and He will save you. He will forgive you of your sin. There's nothing you can do about your sin. You cannot undo it. You cannot redo it. You cannot forget it. All you can do is be forgiven of your sin by the blood of Jesus Christ who died for you. This is your choice. It's your privilege. So if you want to accept Christ, maybe you're in, over the internet, balcony or floor. This is your prayer. Why will you sit and he will save you right now? Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. Amen. If you made that decision, we'd love to give you a Bible absolutely free. Brother, to my right, your left by that door. He will give you that Bible, share some important things for your growth, answer questions you might have, pray with you, and you're free to leave. But don't leave here the same way you came in, dead. And the rest of you, study. Understand what the Bible teaches. Don't put your culture...